0: All right, so we are, we are continuing uh, on the journey, making it count, and I began by last week. We're going to just have a couple of slides that we had last week just as a way of rehearsing and just going over some of the stuff, but I made this statement, and I said that life is a journey, and we are all on a journey with God, okay? I said that last week, and of course, this is a spiritual journey, and... Uh, Hopefully along this journey we are going to grow. Amen. Anybody interested in growing this morning? I think we all want to grow. I think we all need to grow. And, And I said that because anything that is not growing is what? Is dying. If you're not growing, you're actually dying. Did you know that? If you're not growing, you're actually dying, spiritually speaking as well. And then I made this statement, and we had this slide that says, The only guarantee that tomorrow will be better is if you are growing today. Hallelujah. So, we can moan about yesterday and moan about our today, but how many of you know we can do something about uh, the things that are not right and the things that are not good? If we are growing, it'll be a guarantee that our tomorrow will be better than today. Amen? And, uh, and so, I want you to lift up your hands and say, if I'm growing today, then that means my tomorrow will be better than my today. Hallelujah. Amen. And this is what our REAP vision is actually all about. We all want to go somewhere in life, all right? That's, that's true. Everybody wants to go somewhere in life. We all want to go somewhere in our workplace, If you're an athlete, you want to go somewhere. You want to maybe play for the Springboks or play play for uh, South Africa or or represent, whatever it is. If it's in in your marriage, you want to go somewhere in your marriage. If it's your walk with God, we want to go somewhere with God. Is that right? Anybody want to go somewhere with God? Okay. And we only, as I said, we only get one shot at this life. And so we have to make it count. Amen. Bump your neighbors as a neighbor. Let's make it count. Amen. And we have to keep asking ourselves then, you know, okay, if I'm, if I'm on a journey and, and I want to grow, then what's my next thing? What's the next step that I need to take in order to grow? Hallelujah. And then I said that that really is what our reap vision is. Our reap vision, in a nutshell, is reaping everything that Jesus accomplished for the glory of God. Let's say our vision together. Reaping. All right, one more time right across all the campuses and live streamers. Here we go. Reaping amen for the glory of god now the scripture that i want to give you that is the basis of this vision if you need it is found in john 4 verse 34 and jesus said to them my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work do not say they are still four months and then comes the harvest now i want you that have ears to hear spiritual ears i need you to hear me this morning Because Jesus is saying we're not looking into the natural. We're not saying one day I hope I'm going to get my blessing. One day when I get into heaven, I'm going to. He's saying do not, uh, don't say there are still four months. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. For they are already white for a harvest. Now, that could be souls. That could be your miracle. That could be your promotion. That could be every promise that my wife was told. About Every single promise, you don't have to wait till when you get to heaven to reap the promises of God, all right? He's saying, if you have the faith just like Abraham, lift up your eyes, Abraham, as far as you can see north, as far as you can see south, east, and west, is what you can have, and this is the same principle, and it goes on, verse 36, he who has, and he who reaps, and he who reaps, Receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. But both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. Amen? So this is important that we understand. And I said to you last week, the Old Testament equivalent... Of This reap is actually found in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8 when God said, listen, I've got, I've got a great plan for you. I want to take you out of Egypt and into a land that flows with rivers and land and there's honey. And so you can read all of that in Deuteronomy 8 from verse 7, okay, which we did last week. And basically I said to you that God sowed his very best so that you and I could reap his very best. Can I get an amen this morning? And then I made this statement and I presented this slide to you. And I said that when Jesus died on the cross, God made it possible for us to experience all, all his redemptive gifts. Can you say Amen. Now remember, not when you get to heaven, right here, when you are wrapped up in this body of flesh, and you're facing all kinds of situations, God made it possible for you and I to reap every promise, to reap every benefit as a result of what Jesus did on the cross. Can I get an amen? All right. So now when we look at the REAP vision, the first part of REAP is the R, R R-E-A-P, which stands for REACH. Or another way of saying that is Knowing God, that people might come to know God. We're not reaching on our toes to see if I can touch those the ceiling, you know. But reach means we're doing everything for people to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. We're talking about the salvation of souls. We're talking about lost people coming to get saved. We're even talking about those people that have one foot in and one foot out. Every single person coming to know God all right? And by the way, this means that we will even and have redefined our Sunday services, all right? As you can see, our Sunday services are, are, are a little different. Why? Because we want to we do everything so that people can encounter Jesus. And then I said this to you. I said, we consider reaching people who do not know God personally to be one of our greatest responsibilities, That is one of not just the church's responsibility, but it's every believer's responsibility. Amen. And so I said to you as well that our Sunday service is a big deal to us. Hallelujah. Amen. And for that reason, we focus on them being epic. Every Sunday is an epic. And last week, I actually said to you what the E stands for, what the P stands for, what the I stands for, what the C stands for, right? Now, today, I want to speak about the second part of our REAP vision, RE, which stands for Establish. What's another way of saying that? That is another way of saying that is finding freedom. All right? So in other words, we don't want to just get people saved. Yeah, we do. But then we actually want to get them established and grounded in the Word, which is actually the process of discipling. We want to make disciples of people. It's actually a commandment of Jesus. Can you say amen? Amen. So in other words, we know that when I'm saved, when I'm born again, when I come to know God, when I have an encounter with God, my spirit man is instantaneously made alive in God, all right? Like I said last week, you are spirit, soul, and body. You're a tripartite being. And when you are born again, you receive the gift of eternal life. You receive the gift of righteousness, The gift of righteousness has got nothing to do with how holy you are. When you were a sinner, you received Jesus Christ and instantaneously you were made right. Righteousness is actually having a right standing with God. Hallelujah. It's not based on anything that you brought to the table. It's not based on works. It's not based on how many cakes you baked or how great a father you've been. It is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. It is the gift of righteousness that every believer ha- has. And instantaneously, your spirit man that didn't know God because of sin is now made alive unto God. And your spirit and God's spirit. COMMUNICATE AND HAVE FELLOWSHIP AND INSTANTANEOUSLY RIGHTEOUSNESS WAS IMPUTED TO YOUR ACCOUNT. You were made righteous. Hallelujah. Every sin was cleansed. Every sin of yours was forgiven. Hallelujah. And you have a right standing with God. But you still have the area of your mind, the soul part, the emotions part, your thinking part. And then there's your body that carries all the passions of the flesh. And all of these, as we move in God and progress in God, need to be renewed and need to be overcome and overcome overwhelmed by the word. Amen? Can you say amen? So freedom involves the soul, which is the mind, the will, the thoughts. And here's what I want to say. When we are grounded and established in God, we will find freedom. Hallelujah. Now, there are, freedom comes in many ways. Freedom can come in many, many ways. And today we're going to focus on one of them. But the many ways, are, for example, we had a great time of worship. Do you know that when we come together in worship... That God can set people free in your thinking, in, 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 just in, in whatever area of your life, uh, as we experience the presence of God. That's why I said to you that it was so important for the Israelites when they assembled, when they congregated together, because oftentimes God would do some incredible things together as a corporate company of people than when they were on their own. So that's why we come together and we worship. And we experience the presence of God and the moving of God. And in those times, there is freedom that comes. Hallelujah. Freedom comes as we fellowship with one another as well. Do you know that we were meant to do life together? And so when we come together and we integrate, we're not a a, a silo on our own, and we're just an island, and we come and we sit. No, you are part of something else. You are part of someone else, and we are all part of of a story that that is literally God's story. So as we come and we fellowship, whether it be here on a Sunday or in the life groups, which is even a smaller scale of fellowshipping, there are people that can walk through things with you you and talk with you and help you, hallelujah. Prayer and fasting is another way in which we can experience freedom, hallelujah. And prayer is nothing more than just talking to God. As you open your heart and you talk to God, and then sometimes when you fast and and you abstain from fruit and you use that time to spend time in the presence of God, God can bring about freedom. The Word of God is another way in which freedom comes, that's why every Sunday when the Word comes, expect, uh, uh, expect your life to be liberated. Expect freedom to come. Hallelujah. In the life groups, we have a curriculum that we do that we repeat every two years. So in the life groups, there is not, it's not just nilly-willy. We are teaching people stuff, and there is the Word that is coming. And in the life group, through the avenue of the Word, freedom comes. Do you know that freedom comes even as you serve? Even that's why the dream team is what it is. As you serve, how many of you remember Zacharias and Elizabeth? And the Bible says they were righteous people, but she was barren. They had a problem. It was while they were serving that freedom came, and God loosed her womb, and she got pregnant and got pregnant with John the Baptist. While they were serving, bump your neighbor and say, neighbor, even while you serve. God can set you free. Freedom comes through obedience. Hallelujah. Do you know that when somebody tells you to park here and you park there, God can use that to bring freedom in your life? But when they tell you to park here, you say, no, I don't want to park. I don't want to park somewhere else. You know, you stay in that area of bondage. Bump your neighbor and say, obedience is good. Obedience Hallelujah. Is good. Hallelujah. Do you know that freedom can come even through our giving? Through our generosity, through our liberality. Hallelujah. For freedom comes when we forgive each other. Hallelujah. When we put aside all of our difference and we, and we forgive each other. Freedom comes when we also love people intentionally. We love people on purpose. And we keep our heart in God's love. Bump your neighbor and say, when you keep your heart in God's love, freedom comes. Okay, now all of these things we find in the actual life of the church, or we might say in the vision of the church, all right? And that's why it brings me to my next statement that says our freedom is connected to the life or vision of the church. And that's why you heard me say, when we work the vision, the vision will work for you. What will it work? It will work freedom for you. Bump your neighbor and say, neighbor, when we work the vision, the vision will work for you. Hallelujah. Family, I want you to understand this morning that it is God's desire for every single one of us to be set free and to walk in liberty and to walk in freedom. I mean, three chapters into the Bible and you find already that through the rebellion of Adam, there came bondage and and there came all kinds of things that were not uh, intended for God, for Adam and by God, for Adam and Eve. Already three chapters into the Bible and you see there's a struggle. And then if you look at the story of Israel and how that they forsook God and then began to worship other gods and got themselves into bondage, the heart of God was always to bring them out so that they could experience freedom and liberty. So I need you to understand today that it is the will of God for you and I to be free. When you look at the Old Testament and in Exodus chapter 1, you remember, there was Joseph that brought them into the land of Egypt, and so the Bible says that Joseph died, and that Pharaoh that knew Joseph died, and now in verse 1, it says, but the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied and grew exceedingly mightily, and the land was filled with them. That verse, verse 1, is actually the will and plan of God for you and I. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now there arose a new king who did not know Joseph. And he said to the people, look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And it happened in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight. And verse 11 says, therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. So now you're getting a picture of what the enemy, Satan himself, desires for every human being, all right? And verse 12 says, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were in dread. That's how it ought to be with the children of God. Verse 13, the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage. Okay, That's a picture of what the devil wants for you and I. We need to understand that. The prophet Obadiah in verse 17 says, But on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance. Deliverance, another word for deliverance is freedom. It means freedom. In other words, God wants you and I free. Bump your neighbor and say, Neighbor, God wants you and I free. When you look at the ministry of Jesus, he starts his ministry, and uh, 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 look, look, he comes back from the wilderness. Look at what he says in Luke 4, verse 18. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives. Liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. What does Acts 10 verse 38 says? It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed. Okay? Uh, oppression is bondage. Jesus went about delivering people from that oppression, bringing about freedom. Hallelujah! One John three and eight. I'm just giving you scripture so that it you, it can be settled in your mind that God wants you and I free. All right. And One John three and eight. The second part says, "For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that He might destroy the works of the devil." So Jesus died. And rose from the dead having this in mind, that he wants every single person to be liberated in the way that they think, in their attitude, in their emotions. Hallelujah. And so it brings me to this next slide, that reaping everything that Jesus accomplished for the glory of God includes my freedom. It includes my freedom. It includes your freedom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, let's look at what the Apostle Paul had to say in, verse, in chapter 1, verse 17. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Or another translation says that the eyes of your heart may be focused and clear. All right? Hallelujah. In other words, what Paul is saying, he's saying that we need our heart eyes to be focused and clear. So in other words, we use our heart eyes to see everything in life. If your heart is full of hurt, then actually your heart eyes will be your filters through which you look at everything through life. And you will, you will, and, and you will get hurt every, everything that everybody does. It's always like you get emotionally hurt because your heart is hurt. And you are filtering life through the heart eyes that are full of hurt okay i mean if you understand if if your heart is full of bitterness then then you then you use that as a filter and everything has a bitter taste to it and everything results in your heart being bitter and twisted and all kinds of stuff so what happens is that you will see everything in life through a distorted filter and i want to tell you when that happens you will always, you will feel frustrated, you will feel empty in life, you will feel unfulfilled. Let me tell you, if your heart eyes are unfocused and, and they're not uh, free, you, uh, you, you will struggle in life, and you will reap for yourself, hear me family, you will reap for yourself sorrow and anguish and heartache as well, and not only that, you will age very quickly I mean, if you want to age very quickly, I know we had the church app and everybody was suddenly, we were all 60, 70, 80 years of age, but listen, that will happen if you, if you are not free in your heart. The eyes of your heart will be unfocused and, and, and you will struggle with life. You will bring heartache and sorrow and anguish. You will age quickly and furthermore, you will bring sickness into your own life. But the greatest thing that you will miss out on is this, that you will never fulfill your calling in life if you cannot find freedom. If you cannot find freedom, if you, if you cannot find the liberty that God wants you in those areas of your life, you will never be able to fulfill your calling in life. Freedom means that our heart eyes are focused and clear. Amen? Amen? And so it brings me to my next slide. One of the ways in which God uses to help us to find freedom is through... His Word, okay, through His Word. And so that's why we place a high premium on God's Word. That's why we have the Bible School. That's why we have Shepherd School of Ministry. That's why we have the church app with the church outline, so that you can go and look over the Word and get the Word inside. Why? Because when the Word comes, and it keeps on coming, and it keeps on coming, that's how freedom comes, through the Word. Can you say amen? Amen. Look at what God told Joshua. He said, son, you're going to have to cross over the Jordan. And yes, my desire is that you will reap everything that I have for you in the land that flows with milk and honey. But in order for you to do that, you're going to have to get the word and stay in the word and see the word and act on the word. Isn't that what Joshua 1 and 8 is all about? Huh? What does that say? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. In order for it to get to your mouth, it has to be in your heart. You shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Hallelujah. One of the greatest ways in which God brings about freedom is through the word. Look at what the, uh, uh, the psalmist David said in Psalm 119, verse 11. He said, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Hallelujah. If, you keep, if there is a sin that you keep on repeating, keep on repeating, that's an indication that you are in bondage to that thing. That's an indication, family, that you need to be set free from that thing. And David said, you know what, I there's a couple of issues in my life, and one of them might have been the Bathsheba thing, a woman problem. And he said, the only way that I'm going to not lust in my mind and think about other women other than the one that I'm married to is I'm going to have to get the Word in my heart and keep the Word in my heart and keep the Word in my heart and keep the Word in my heart so that I might be free from that thing. David said as well in verse 130 of the same psalm, the entrance of your words gives light. All right? And when light comes, light exposes darkness. Light, when light comes, when you, when you go into a cave that's dark and you bring a torch or you got a lantern, suddenly you see a cockroach running there. And then suddenly there's a little a rat on that side. There's a bat hanging on the wall. You see all kinds of horrible creatures. And that's what the light of God's Word does in your heart. The Word doesn't come to condemn you, the Word doesn't come to put you down. Hallelujah. The word in a moment now we'll see is like a mirror. Hallelujah. And, uh, and so we'll have a look at that. But Psalm 119, 130 in the Passion Translation says, Break open your word within me until revelation light shines out. Those with open hearts are given straight into your plans. Hallelujah. When Jesus was in the wilderness, 40 days and 40 nights he fasted. And the devil came to him. What was the devil's purpose? The devil's purpose was to see if he could trick Jesus into getting him into bondage. If Jesus was tricked and deceived and yielded himself to the devil, that would have meant that he would have been under the oppression, under the mastery, under the bondage of the devil. But how did Jesus overcome the bondage that the enemy was trying to place upon him? Three times he said, it is written. I got the word in me. I am the living written, walking, speaking word. I'm literally the person. you, Satan, I'm the last person that you should have come to and try to bring this bondage and bring this... Cap- I'm the last person that you need to think that you can bind with chains and with all kinds of stuff because I'm the living, speaking, walking, talking word. Amen. Hallelujah. Three times he said, it is written. And then later on, what does Jesus say to Jewish believers who had converted and who had become Christians? He said in John 8:31, Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. But not only that, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hallelujah. So if you are a lover of Jesus, a believer of Jesus, and you are a disciple of Jesus, then it means that you will do everything to get this Word on the inside of you. He says, if you abide in my Word. Abide isn't a five-minute affair. It's not like putting milk in the microwave and you can only put it in for a couple of seconds because it starts to bubble over in the cup. He says, you need to stay a little bit in that microwave, in that oven. You need to abide in my word. Hallelujah. The New Living Translation says, Jesus said to the people who believed him, you are truly my disciples. If you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The Passion Translation says it like this. Verse 32. For if you embrace the truth, it will release more freedom into your lives. Bump your neighbor and say, neighbor. Yes. Freedom comes through the Word. Yes. Come on. It says, if you embrace the truth, it will release more freedom into your lives. Hallelujah. And so, it's when the Word comes as revelation and truth that we find freedom a lot of times we'll read the Bible and we don't find the freedom that we're expecting because we're reading the Bible as just the Bible it's just another story it's just logos the word but you've heard me say many times that the logos has to become Rhema you have to read and read and read Until suddenly it's almost like as if the words are lifting off the pages and they are entering your heart and like suddenly the lights go on and now for the first time you are understanding what this is and it's talking right to you. It's like as if God has put a spear right into your heart. How many of you have ever experienced that? That is the word that has become truth to you. All right. Now, obviously, we know that Jesus is the truth, and and, and we said that knowing Jesus is important, but it's not just about knowing Jesus, but also learning to walk in the truth that He reveals to you. That's where freedom comes. So here's my next statement. Freedom comes when we learn to walk in the truth that He reveals to you. That revelation that has been made known to you, all right? If you receive that revelation and you don't walk that revelation out, I'll tell you what, it'll be a long time until you get another revelation. Because God says, well, I gave you that revelation, but you did nothing with it. You didn't walk in the truth. You didn't, you didn't adjust your life, adjust your behavior, adjust your conduct accordingly. That was made known for you, and I revealed it to you because I'm pointing out some of the things that are in your life. Freedom comes when that truth has been made known to you, and now you purpose. God's not going to make you walk in that truth. You have to purpose. You have to say, Holy Spirit, this is truth that has been made known to me. Now, would you help me Walk in this truth so that I can find freedom, so that I can experience the liberty, so that I can know my calling. If I, if I can't find the freedom, I won't know my calling. If I don't know my calling, I don't know my purpose. And so I'm just floating around in this life, uh, you know, like at sixes and sevens, I feel like a misfit. It's because of freedom. Can you say praise the Lord? I'm going to give you some scriptures here just to settle your hearts a little bit and give you more of the word. Here's what Romans six seventeen says, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, we were under the mastery of the devil. We were in bondage to the devil. That's our former life. Yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, the word. That to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. That's a powerful scripture that you could take and meditate for quite some time. And get a whole lot of truth out of there so that you can walk in that freedom. Galatians 5 and 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. You came out of bondage. Don't go back into bondage. Do you know that it's so sad to hear many Christians and even ministers and preachers that are in bondage? They're in bondage, and they can quote the Bible back to front. They can tell you the Greek and the Hebrew, and they have revelation after revelation after revelation, but they're not walking in that revelation. You have to walk yourself. Quit pointing your finger and blaming others. If you cannot walk in the truth that God reveals to you, you have no right pointing out to the faults of others. Your job is to take that truth and say as long as I am wrapped up in this body of flesh, my job is to walk in this truth so that I can experience freedom, that I can find my calling and my purpose and I can be a blessing in this life. And I, yes, I can be a light shining in the dark place. And yes, I can make a difference. You can't make a difference when you're bound yourself. How are you going to untie and unbound somebody when you're bound yourself? When you try and cast that devil out of somebody, that devil will rise up and say, how are you trying to cast me out when you got my cousin living on the inside of you? That's what happened to the sons of Sceva, if you would care to read that story. Hallelujah. So even as the truth comes and that word is revealed to you, it's so that you can walk in that truth. Hallelujah. You see, Christianity is all about learning to live out what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the cross. Not when you get to heaven. That's why so many people can't wait to get out of here to be in heaven. Why? Because, is it because you can't get free? Is it because you, you're a failure? Is it because you, you're, you're actually ashamed and embarrassed of that there's no light shining? It ought not to be that way. It ought not to be that way. We ought to be living out everything that Jesus did. We ought to be living out in this day. No, no, don't wait to get to New Zealand before you become a better Christian. Because New Zealand has got demons and all kinds of oppression as well. Everywhere you go in this world, you're going to have problems. Let me tell you, there's not a place that is problem free. So if you're looking for a problem free place before you can be a better Christian, it's going to be a long time. But in the middle of problems, in the middle of chaos, in the middle of darkness, in the middle of when everybody says it's hopeless and there's no hope out there, you can be walking in victory. You can be walking in freedom because our job is to live out, wrapped up in this body of flesh. In other words, to learning to walk in the truths of His Word that has been quickened to our hearts yeah, we've got some hearts, and these hearts are very important things, okay? Now, when I have this heart, this is not the physical heart of a human being. I'm talking about the heart of man, the heart of a woman, the spirit of a man, all right? So the heart is very important because the Bible says in Proverbs 4, 23, that guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Out of it, if, if you guard your heart, there will be freedom coming. Yeah. If, if the, word, the, word only, the word doesn't come to your minds, we employ our minds, yes, by all means, we employ our minds and our intellect to grab a hold of the Bible. We need our minds and our intellect to read it. You need your intellect to use the English vocabulary or, or the Zulu vocabulary or whatever language it is that you use or speak. But then, sooner or later, the Word has to come into the heart. And there is truth and revelation that comes to the heart. And when you take that truth and you begin to live that truth out, that is how we live in freedom. Now, a lot of you are praying, God, change my circumstance. No, God says, when you get the Word in your heart, I first want to change your heart. Then, when your heart is changed... I'll change the circumstance. Amen. God, would you change my wife? Uh, we, we're, we're, you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm a bit too spiritual for her. We're not spiritually compatible. No, God says I need to just humble you and I need the word to change you a little bit. God, would you, would you take me out of this job, this boss? he I'm, I'm sure he is Satan in Corinth. I'm sure he's the 666, the Antichrist. Now, God says, I need to get the word in your heart because your attitude towards that boss is not right. I know he's a mean guy. I know that he's done X, Y, and Z, but I first need to change your heart before I change your circumstance. Can you say amen? So here's what I want to say. Freedom happens when we allow the Word to work where? In our hearts. Hallelujah. 1 Thessalonians 2 and 13 says, For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the Word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth, the Word of God which also effectively works in you who believe. It's working effectively to bring about our freedom, our liberty. The Passion Translation says, And the Word continues to be an energizing force in you who believe. The Amplified says, uh, which is effectively at work in you who believe, exercising its superhuman power in those who adhere to and trust in and rely on. So when you are believing, where does believing take place? Does it take place in the minds? Does it take place in the emotion? Does it take place in the physical body? Does it take place in the hearts? Absolutely. We believe with our hearts and with our mouths, we confess. If you look at the parable of the sower, and there's the different gospels, but effectively in Mark 4, there's four kinds of soil. In verse 4, it talks about seed that was placed in wayside soil, and then in verse 5, stonely ground or stony soil. And then in verse 7, some seed fell among the thorns. But verse 8 says, other seed fell on good ground. Hallelujah. And yielded a crop. Hallelujah. That sprang up, increased, and produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Hallelujah. The Message Bible, verse 8 says, Some fell on good earth and came up with a flourish, producing a harvest, exceeding his wildest dreams. Come on. That's talking about your and my freedom, your and my liberty. The Word, the Word in your heart is capable of doing something amazing things, some crazy things, some phenomenal things. The Word out of the heart is not able to do anything. But the Word in the heart is able to do some amazing things. Can you say amen? And one of the amazing things that the Word has to do is the ability to evaluate your true desires. That's what the Word does. And as it does, here's what the Word does Because the Word is like a mirror The Word, as it evaluates your true desires Will show you who you really are And a lot of us, we don't come to the Word Because it is a mirror Because we get afraid Oh my goodness, do I look that ugly? Oh my goodness, is my nose so big? Oh my goodness, oh there's so many wrinkles in my face. Because we don't like what the mirror reflects. It's revealing the real you. And so we understand that the devil plays a game in the game of life. And so you know how it's like, come on guys, quickly. The devil plays a game. It's called the game of life. And so we're not saved and we're walking with the devil and we're talking with the devil because we're not saved. And we're enjoying all that the devil gives us. And he shows us all the wonderful things that he can give us. Show us all the wonderful things that you can. Right. And he plays the game of life. And in this game of life, he gives him a plate. But spiritually, symbolically speaking, all right. And he says to To you and I. He says, I want to play a game. I've got you in mind. I'm going to make you look beautiful. I'm going to make you look wonderful. I'm going to make you look amazing. All I want you to do, friend, is whatever I do, is I want you to do the same. And so the devil stirs and he begins to conjure up some games of life that we begin to play. He says, and I want you just to do, do what I do. Do what I do. And then he begins to Oh my goodness, and we have no idea what's happening. We're just, We're just going along. And again, he stirs up, and there's other games that he wants us to get involved in. And, 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 and just do what I do. Just do what I do. That's right. And there's just all these different things that happen. That's the game of life. And again, he conjures up and again, and he entices through seduction and through deception and through lies and through all kinds of things. That's why I just do what I do. Just keep on doing it. Just keep on doing it. Time after time, year after year, we go through the game of life. Until one day what happens is we come to know the gospel. Somebody preaches about the good news. The good news of, that Jesus loves you. That he died on a cross 2,000 years ago. That he took all of my sins, all all of my weaknesses, and we begin to examine ourselves. Jesus, the word, comes, and we begin to see ourselves, and we begin to see that it was actually all of my doings, all of my sin, that actually sent Jesus to the cross. That's what the word does. But Jesus says, don't worry. We're going to cleanse you. I don't have anything to cleanse you now, but just imagine. Imagine what he does. Imagine, imagine every sin. Imagine every bit of embarrassment, every bit of guilt, every bit of shame, every bit of sorrow, everything that the devil did to us. In just, in just a moment, in just a moment, as we come to that place, where we encounter this beautiful person and through His love and through the Word, because Jesus is the Word, we see ourselves and we see that it is everything that I did that actually sent Jesus to the cross. Everything that I did. Everything that I did. Thanks, guys. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Praise the Lord. That word has come to you today in this place. Whoever you may be, wherever you may be this morning, that word has come to you today. And you see, sometimes the enemy will get us to play the game of life. But that word comes as a mirror to you and I. It comes as a mirror. It comes as a mirror. Not to condemn, not to judge, not to castigate, not to put down but to reveal the real you, all right? I want everybody just standing steady right now. Nobody to move under any circumstances whatsoever as we do the most important part of this service right now. Right now. Ushers, need you to help me on this. We don't want anybody to be distracted from this moment. But that word comes to you, and I don't know where your heart is. I don't know where you are today in this life. But you know that you're not right with God. Friend, that word that's come today hasn't come to condemn you. It hasn't come to criticize you. It hasn't come to put you down. It's come to show you just how much Jesus loves you. That even in that sinful state, God still accepts you will still receive you as you are with all the blemish, with all the sin, with all the frailty, with all all that you did, knowing that it was everything that you did that placed Jesus on the cross. Still the Father's love reaches out to you and me. This morning, I'd like to give those of you an opportunity, both here in Mabel Galway, in Phoenix as well, but right now, listen, you can't be playing games with God. When that word comes, come on, it shows you who you really are. And if you know that you're away from God today, today in the name of Jesus, you're coming back to Him. You're coming back to God, all right? I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I want every head bowed, every eye closed. I want those of you that say, Pastor, it's me that you're talking to. Can you pray for me? Then I want you to lift your hand up. I want you to put your hand up in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed. I want every believer praying right now, right across the campuses. You say, my life is not right. I'm away from God. Would you pray for me? Here we go. One, two, get ready. Three, lift your hand up high. Say, here's my hand, Pastor. I'm coming. I'm coming. Anybody, lift your hand up high across the campuses. Everybody, just lift your hand. If that's you this morning across the campuses, all right? Thank you. I see those hands across the campuses. Right now, hands are going up. I want everybody to pray this prayer. Would you all say after me, Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name, just as I am with all of my faults, all of my failures, and all of my sin right now, Thank you for cleansing me and washing me. I receive eternal life and the forgiveness of all of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, family, tonight we're going to continue with this great word. We have great praise and worship. I don't want you to miss it, all right? We're going to hand back to Phoenix and all the live streamers. Can we put our hands together and thank them all for joining us, all right? Let's all stand up this morning. Let's all stand up. Lift your hands to the Lord. Would you do that? Would you do that, everybody? Come on, say after me, Heavenly Father. Thank you for your word that's come to me today. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And today I declare that I am a faith person that has a faith covenant with a faith God. Thank you for freedom that because of the word and the truth of your word, I am free. I purpose to walk in the truth, to walk in that freedom, even as your word is revealed to me and made known to me and even quickened to me, that I will walk in that truth. And as I walk in that truth, I will experience freedom and liberty because, Lord, I know, I know It is your will for me and I'm on a journey and I'm growing with you and I'm getting better and better and stronger and stronger walking in that freedom and in that liberty in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen Amen and amen.